0: What's up, everybody? You're listening to an episode of This Most Unbelievable Life. Yes! We're so glad you're listening. If you've been listening for a while, you know my voice. I'm Dr. Sherry Spiegel, and my co host is my dear friend, Dr. Paul Fitzgerald.
1: That's right, folks. I'm Dr. Paul Fitzgerald, and I'm happy to welcome you to season five of the podcast. I'm honored to be here once again with my co host, Dr. Sherry Spiegel, as we work to discover, along with you, our own most unbelievable lives. Thank you for listening.
0: Mm. Yes. Hey, Paul Fitzgerald.
1: Hey, Sherry Spiegel. What's going on?
0: Not much. How are you?
1: I'm. Uh, I'm really well. I'm really doing pretty well. Uh, doing good. That's had a fantastic. Had a nice little walk earlier. Saw more cicadas than I was comfortable with at the time, mm-hmm. and that one flew at me. And oh, so no. they've gone airborne. I don't know if it's a good thing or a bad thing to say that, but uh, doing well. The summer, the uh, the su- the uh, the sun, the the weather. I'll edit this out. Has turned towards the warmer, right? And I like a warm sunny day. So yeah, I'm doing well. Doing well.
0: Good. 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 How are you? I'm well. Also, see now I know how this feels because usually I'm yeah the one who asks first. <laughs> this
2: is going to be a <laughs> awkward well podcast. Well. Yeah.
0: Uh, yeah, things are pretty good. Um, I have officially moved into what my friend Mike and I call the summer state of mind.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, and I think I'm doing it far better than I normally do. Like, I'm really leaning into it. Um, so last summer, I told Mike that I wanted to live the summer like... Like a woman of leisure, like a celebrity <laughs> woman of leisure. And I was terrible at it. That's not what a, I did at all.
1: You have to get a chalange, right, and recline nonchalantly.
0: Right? Yeah. Okay. Um, But today, like, the things that I've done include reading a book, making a salad. That's kind of it. Well, I yeah, rearranged I like my podcast station. That yeah. took some time. But other than that, like, it's kind of nice to have an open day.
1: Yeah, they happen so infrequently. They do. Um, and a lot of folks, um, I mean, we've been talking about this a little bit the last couple of weeks. A lot of folks that I've been talking to lately don't, uh, it's like, they don't. what do you really do with yourself when you have an open day? I mean, if, if your calendar doesn't tell you what to do and what's next, uh well, that's just not the way this country was founded. Those are not the principles <laughs> upon which, you know, our experience, you know, takes rest. Uh what do we do? What are you what are you gonna do all day? I mean what are you not gonna do? Like you're not gonna do anything? Like you're just gonna Yeah. Like what are you gonna <laughs> well, It's like, the the it's incomprehensible. It you know, is for, and it's, of, um, it's like what like like the what weirdest
0: thing happened to me last week. You know, it was the first week that we were kind of moving out of the semester. So the first week that we're kind of capable of moving into the summer state of mind. And I had something on my calendar every day last week. Yeah. And I found myself moving into this feeling called resentment.
1: Yeah, you were telling me.
0: Like, yeah, I used to find things on my calendar to be like safety. Mm. But now I'm like... I don't even know who I'm going to be next Thursday. How can I have something on my calendar?
1: It's weird. Yeah, during that busier time of the year, when we do have a lot of stuff planned for varieties of reasons, um, not the least of which I have to teach class several times a week, um, I would fall into this this narrative that, you know, hey, Paul, how do you keep it all straight? It's like I just put it on my calendar and let my calendar tell me what to do. When there's nothing on one's calendar then, and you look there, uh, that can be, oh, yeah. now I have to come up with something.
0: It's a different
2: experience. Yeah. yeah. It's like,
1: uh, yeah, it's, it's being a geologist, right? It's through and through, I can make a geology analogy here. Ooh. I think we'll see how this one goes. Um. This doesn't just go for um, folks in our our academic field. This could apply to anybody just going into a weekend or something like that as well. You know, so I, I try to be mindful that not everybody out there is you know doing the doing the work that you and I specifically do. Right. Um, but you know, stress builds up, stress builds up, stress builds up. Tectonic plates push against each other, uh-huh. you know, uh, and boom, earthquake. You know, and all that stress is released all at once. And you know the earth shifts, and you know everything moves, and it's uh, it's it's hard and it's challenging. And ah, uh, the earthquake is is over now. Everything is going to be fine. Oh, there are aftershocks, you know. And so, for the next couple of weeks, you can still get you can get these little sort of tremors that move through. Um, usually, not quite as severe as the main event, but you kind of get these yeah, these little mental intellectual body housed, uh, self-identifying urges to do something, to be busy, to find something to do, to, you know, put something on your calendar out of habit or familiarity. I'm not sure which, cause, but those aftershocks are a real thing. And, you know, right. I've talked to a few folks, you know, since the semester ended of all ages and, uh, of all, uh, of all sort of categories within the educational system, from admins to faculty to, to students to former students to, uh, you know, um, it's like, yeah, my day was weird. It's like I didn't have a class. I didn't have anything to do. And it was really uncomfortable. Like this anxiety, right, this nervousness right. rise comes up and this anxiety starts to come up. And yeah. uh, I'm just like, yeah, let's talk about earthquakes it's, and aftershocks, you know.
0: Yeah. It's a real thing. I, I always like to liken it to the people mover at the airport, mm. right? Like if you're on that and you're walking at a particular speed, you know, there's a reason that the thing comes on overhead and tells you the people people ender is about to move in. Right? Because um, yes. when people. you pop <laughs> off of that thing, you still are going at quite a clip and it takes you a minute to realize, yeah. oh, oh, I can slow it down, yeah. right? Like it's almost jarring.
1: Yeah. And, um, I mean, people learning how to, uh, you know, young kids, like when they're, you know, three or four trying to figure out how the top and the bottom of the escalator mm-hmm. works. I mean, it's like you, the, the look in, in the face is oftentimes just like sheer terror, you know, it's like, um, <laughs> Because I mean, we've all heard the nightmare scenarios, right? of Of what happens yeah. right? if you don't if you don't step off of that, you get you know, eaten Paul, alive. Paul, I've
0: realized you may have never <laughs> been with me getting on or off of an escalator.
1: Uh, do you find them uh, an event eventful? Um, a challenge? A joy?
0: People who have watched me do it with care notice that I am not a. Uh, well, I try to hide it, but um, I find stepping onto them very, um, very disconcerting. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Well, it's a strange thing, you know, because it's like you're going to, you're walking, you're walking, and then you're going to take one more step, and then you're going to stop physical motion, but you're still going to be moving? So it's, 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 and you're going to give up control
0: and allow the thing to lift you. Mm -mm, Yeah.
1: Yeah. I mean, but that's just like, just like going into the, going into a weekend or going into a, you know, a, a week between semesters or something like that, where you don't have classes on your calendar or anything, you know, you're plugging away, you're doing this stuff, you're powering yourself through your objectives. And then all of a sudden you're going to stop you know, stop thought, stop physical motion, stop those activities. But time just keeps on trucking, just keeps on moving. And it's like, okay, so the day is still going on. And uh, I'm still, (laughs) I'm still in this life yet. I'm not doing anything, you know, and it can be very, very strange.
0: Well, and there are like three interesting things that I want to think about within that moment. Right. So one is, When we go into that kind of time, like be it a vacation or a weekend or even an evening, right? There's this sense that time is limited. So you want to make the best of whatever the time is, Yeah. but there is like this sense of scarcity, right? Yeah. And so within this moment where there's a sense of scarcity, you have this opportunity to figure out both what you want and what you need. Mm
2: Mm-hmm
0: under time pressure but also within the construct of no this is your time to relax but also figure out what you need and want and do it be- but before the time's up
1: yeah yeah i think what what most folks well i mean that's the i mean we hear these sort of stories all the time i mean after you get back from your vacation you're exhausted and mm-hmm. you need you need you don't come back on sunday if you have to go to work on monday come back on like friday or saturday cuz you're going to need like a day to recover from your <laughs> from right. your time off, you know, and if that's if that day represents you know gearing back up to a work week or it's the actual one day of of uh, Sabbathian hiatus, I think it has made that word up, you know I before, like that. yeah, well, a one day vacation that's a recovery from your vacation before you actually start the next thing, I don't know. But I think what what I think most people end up usually doing could be wrong. You know, but I'm certainly guilty of this myself on occasion. When one is on a vacation, you know, and you go somewhere to, you have this trip, you know, and as that trip approaches, you sort of build up like this whole, oh, we're going to do this and we can go there and ooh, there's this other thing and we can do this other stuff too and oh yeah, it's going to be great and you sort of develop this sort of plan or this framework and then when you're actually getting the car or get on the plane or however you're getting there, to do this vacation, what a lot of people, I think, need without expressing that and without saying that, that really haunts them for the duration and in in the entirety of that trip, is they need the actual vacation to look like what they thought it would. mm mm-hmm. um, it's like, okay, I got, I had all of this expectation built up for it. I have all of this kind of low-key plans. I want to eat at this place. I want to go look, at, hang out on the beach. And I want to you know, check this national state park that's nearby, whatever it is. Once we're there, it's like, okay, when do we want to do all this stuff that we said that we wanted? to? You know, and all, more goes on the calendar during the vacation than it does during the time when you're actually working a lot, a lot of right. the time. And so it's like, I need to make this look like what I thought it would.
0: Well, and it's such an interesting... It's such an interesting thing because I find I find making plans troubling in a lot of weird ways whether you're on vacation or not, right? Yeah, right? Um and so like for one thing that's strange about me is I think I really enjoy the idea of making plans. I don't always have the energy to carry out the plans. Oh yeah. Yeah, yeah. Right. So one of the things that Eric and I do when we're planning vacations um, is we'll make a list of all the things that we could do, knowing that we may not do most of them. Right. Um, And we will enjoy the time spent exploring the things. But then when it comes time for the actual vacation, we will look at it and say, of the things on this list, what's most important to you? Yeah. And then we'll prioritize those. But we can't do all the things.
1: No, it, you, you, one, one couldn't. You, right. One couldn't, you know. Um, I mean, there was a, a couple of, few, I guess there was a few years ago Right now. I'm, I'm having a hard time uh, with um, sort of compartmentalizing and parsing out. Uh, time over the mm. last 15 months because it's like that whole notion of how long ago was that? It's like, I don't know, like time from before the pandemic was different than the time when the pandemic started. You know, so it's like, I'm not, I, I actually really don't know how long ago this was. Somewhere between three and five years ago. Yeah. Um, <laughs>
0: BC all of a sudden means before coronavirus. Yeah, before to Corona. Me. Yeah, mm-hmm. it's
1: like so. You know, looking back, it was like before. It was before the pandemic, but I'm, I don't remember how long it was till the pandemic. From there, and time is weird. After anyway. Yeah. Um So <laughs> between between two and five years ago, I think, mm-hmm. right. Um, we were invited to a, a rather extravagant wedding by some uh, some friends of ours in, in Venice, in Italy, and. Uh, it was uh, in, in October and it, <laughs> we we sort of did that. It's like, okay, so what do we want to do while we're in Venice? I mean, like who asked that question? I think, well, I think everybody does. I mean, there's a Rick Steves guide to Venice, you know? And people are like, ooh, how long are you going to be there? And it's like six days. And it's like, I don't know if you need six days to do all of Venice. Are you, you going to go out to some of these surrounding? And it's like, what do you mean you don't need six days? <laughs> it's like, well, you know, Venice is a is a five day trip. Reykjavik is a three dayer, you know, New York City is a is a is a four-dayer, I guess, you know. Uh, St. Louis, you need at least three three weeks, I guess. I don't know. Yeah, it's it's interesting how it's like there's this much interesting stuff to do in this place and therefore it requires this much time. Yeah. So it's like what are the what are the things I really want to hit? And then you gotta move on to the what are the things I really want to hit?
0: Right, and we use the we use that kind of language. Like we we got to hit all the spots. Yeah, like, you, there's
1: there's a list with a checkbox next to each one that you. Gotta
0: right, hit. but it makes it it makes vacation sound more like whack a mole than like yeah. a relaxation. It's a scavenger event.
1: hunt. Yeah, it's a scavenger. Um,
0: hunt. a friend of mine went to Prague. I think it was Prague. Um, and they spent two weeks there, and they were staying at this. Um, I think it was like a bed and breakfast kind of situation. And the owners were like, You're gonna be here for two weeks? Why? What are you gonna do? You know? And like, just the idea that they could, like, You live here. You must know that there are things to do in this Yeah, we're only here for two weeks.
1: You've been here for 45 years. Surely you do stuff, you know.
0: Right. And and I think that that's like when you outstay the time that tourists are meant to stay. I think that's when you can actually tap in and enjoy a place.
1: Yeah. Questions Um, arise. It's one of the
0: reasons we have staycations. Like Eric and I really like a staycation um, because we live – uh six miles from Washington DC. Yeah, right. And we have for almost eleven years. And we still there are parts of the city that we haven't explored.
1: Yeah, yeah, for sure. So for sure. Yeah. Uh there are parts when I was living in Northern California, I was there for six years. Not once went to Yosemite. Still haven't been. It's hmm. like it's it's like three hours away. It's like, yeah, I know. Yeah. <laughs> it just uh, yeah. Sorry, <laughs> I just feel like apologies like, yeah, sorry, I know. I mean, that's the p- trouble
0: yeah. with the United States is it's so big. Um, yeah, that's big. Like, I haven't traveled outside of the United States much, and part of that is because there's just so much to do. Yeah, there's a lot. Yeah, there's the a country. lot. Yeah, there's a lot. Like, which is, which is there are states many. I still haven't been to, like Missouri.
1: <laughs> yeah, I've been there. uh yeah. I've been there a couple of times. There's a a, a statement that I made on a podcast we recorded uh, yes I don't even know again it's like I have no idea when that was uh several dozen episodes ago um where you know I, I made this this statement and and it was kind of an absolute statement that putting things on my calendar feels like dying
2: yeah
1: uh, and I I I'm, I'm not saying that I was wrong I'm saying it is a little more nuanced than that though. You know, I, it is. It is a little more nuanced than that. Um, d- during the academic year, when there's already a bunch of stuff on my calendar, put something on my calendar. I don't care. Whatever. Mm-hmm. you know it's like it's fine you know it's like and it's like thank you know that thing is important to me whether or not it really is i don't know um that is something that's worth doing whether or not it really is i don't know but yeah i can do that it sounds like a good thing to do it fits in with my mission and purposes i see it right now yeah let's put it on the calendar you know i have no problem with it it does not always feel like dying right it's when we have like like you said you know when you when you notice that he, you have a perfectly good summer break and you have something on your calendar every day it's like why did you know why did mm-hmm. I do that and um it's when something goes on a calendar on an empty day or when like there's not a lot on there or it's it's a time when it's like ah I need a good unstructured day because here's that word again that need you know and and we've we've talked about this a little bit before this 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 notion of 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 what do we what do we need mm-hmm You know, and if there's some part of you or me or anyone who every once in a while just needs a day when there's nothing on the calendar that tells you what to do, why is that so hard? Um, is that I don't know what I don't know how to end that question. It's like, why is that? Why is that so hard to do? Why is that so hard to articulate? Why is that so hard? Why to, is this sticky? Why is it sticky? Yeah. Um, yeah. It's like, why is it hard to put that thing on that? Because it's like, you would think that it's like, ha. Ah, there's an empty day and I have something to do. I'll put it there. What a win. What a success. It's like, it doesn't feel that way for me. It feels like uh, I'm going to ruin a perfectly good empty day on a calendar by putting something on it. And it's like once that thing is on it, it's like, well, hell, at this point, you know, open the you might as well put anything on there you want, you know. That first thing is it's so it's not like, you know, putting things on the calendar feels like dying. It's just putting that first thing on the calendar that day. Everything else is fine after that first thing is on there, you know, because some part of me, I think, really does need an empty. Right day
0: well i mean once i'm once i'm in the flow of structure i'm okay with being in structure as long as you know i've been really in. here's that word need again um which i think we're gonna end up camping out with sometime. yeah today. i think so um one of the things that i've realized that i really do need is spontaneity and if i structure my calendar so much um, I don't allow things to manifest. Mm-hmm. Um, And I think I would miss out on a lot of opportunities. So I'm just trying to get a little more comfortable with that idea of spontaneity. And especially within the summer, like depending on what the weather is like and depending on how I'm feeling and depending on where my brain is, I want to be able to make some choices about that. And during the summer, let's be clear we still do a lot of intellectual work, even if we're not working uh, um like Yeah for yeah. something or for our employer. There is there's a lot of mental shuffling that I think happens even in the space that looks like an inactive
1: Yeah, space. for sure. Right? Yeah, for sure.
0: But I don't know. I'm spending um you know, getting back to your question of, like, why is that so hard? I think part of it is facing a day where your goal is to identify your own wants and needs. Um, that is both a freeing and a terrifying thing to do.
1: It is. It is. It really is. Um, yeah, I had a, a, uh, one of the uh, professors on my uh, dissertation committee used to talk about this. And he used to get flack from his co-workers uh, I think the ones when he was in, in Missouri, believe it or not, um, when he was a faculty person at a fine institution on the Mississippi River, and uh, <laughs> uh, and it's like you would walk into his lab or in his office one of these days, you know, and he would he'd be like just sitting there kind of looking out the window, you know, for like an hour. Yeah. And people say it's like, what do you do? It's like hanging out the window, you know. And he, this is the mid mid early '90s, so there's a there's a productivity wave going through, right? You got, to you know, being busy is looking busy, is productive looking stuff, you know, and sitting there staring out the window for an hour does not look like productivity, you know? Yet, uh, he understood that these times are times when sometimes you just need to give space to a set of notions that are passing through and new information that has come to light and give it time just to sort of take hold and germinate a little bit so something can grow. Mm-hmm. And it's like he was he was it's somewhere between active and passive, you know? It's like he just kind of hanging out with sort of these ideas and giving his brain time to germinate them and see what and see what sort of happened. And it's right. like he 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 knew that sometimes, you know, after you plant the seed, and in the container and you water it, you just have to leave it in the sun and don't do anything. Just give mm-hmm. it time to sort of germinate and and things grew from it. Right. But that right. time was really important. He said, it's like, how do you feel after like sitting and looking at the window like that for an hour, an hour and a half? He said, it's exhausting. Yeah. <laughs> It's like, yeah. I need to take a break. I need to sit down and type something to, to to relax from looking out the window for the last hour. That's at least mind-numbing. He's going right. to respond to some emails after that and give his brain I, a, a rest. I,
0: I feel very similarly, I think, after I sit for an hour, like for an hour in meditation. Um, after that time, it's like there's usually a flurry of activity and where like I, yeah. need to, I need to do a thing. And it's not because... It's not because, oh, I've been so bored for the last hour. It's usually, um, I've gotten quiet enough to listen to where now I know more about what I need.
1: Yeah. Right.
0: Um, so I very rarely, and this is one of the things I find, um, kind of tricky, uh, especially as we have had shared, uh, meditation communities, um, a lot of times after i've had like i don't want to say a good sit but a a longer (laughs) sit um i really crave time by myself right after it yeah right um so community after meditation is really hard for me but it's like
1: well come on you've just been
0: sitting alone for your by yourself for an hour and i'm like yeah yeah. I've been listening, and now I want to allow myself some time to talk.
1: <laughs> yeah, space holding is is uh, is it's its own uh, it's its own uh, art and craft. That's for sure, and it 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 does it does require some post event re re-energe, re reenergetics re you know reconnection and with yeah. with with self. Um, and this goes back even. I mean, what would this podcast be without some reference to the suttas or to the Buddha or something like that, mm-hmm. right? says Dharma Paul. Um, uh the Buddha would talk about this in the suttas. And um I have no idea which one because uh there it is. I'm just gonna throw that out there. But I was listening to a talk by someone uh, the other day, and they were talking about the Brahmaviharas as mm-hmm. which which you and I have talked about many times. We've done workshops on them. Um and they're challenge. They're challenging, you yeah. know. If, if if one does a workshop on any any hard practice, it's a challenge for reasons which we'll get into on the next two hundred episodes, and uh, <laughs> at least a conservative <laughs> estimate. I think um, I'm just saying it like it is. I think, uh, but. Um, it's like, okay, Sherry on three, love everyone. Okay. One, two, three, go do it. You know? And it's like, it doesn't really sort of work that way. I mean, these, these things need to be cultivated and, um, these things being like meta loving kindness and compassion and joy and things like that. So how do you actually, uh, actually sort of do it and what good comes out of it anyway? And, um, I mean, besides, it's like, hey, it's good to be nice to everybody, and wouldn't life be easier if everybody just loved everybody? And it's like, yeah, the answers to those are yes, but yeah. I mean, that seems like quite a reach um, for the average uh, person on the street, let alone the average practitioner. And um, so it's like, what the Buddha would talk about it's like you don't need to like cultivate the the verb of it, right? You don't have to. You don't have to cultivate. Uh, okay, I'm going to think about this thing right now. Hmm and I'm going to like do all the actions of looking like thinking and it's like okay I've thought about it and this is what I came. up I mean things rarely work that way right. you know as as sort of cartoonish as they seem what we do right through most of I think the activities that you and I do together and most of them that we've done in our lives probably and the, like I said you know the Buddha talks about this you you do things that um create the conditions that makes them more likely to happen Mhm You know, and and it's like, what does meditation do for you? What does standing and looking out the window for an hour after you read that paper do for you? You know, what insight comes from leading meditation groups and then, you know, having some alone time afterwards? It's like, it's these acts, right? You know, why, why take a walk, Mm -hmm. you know, to clear your mind? It's like, and it's like, that's not the thing. That's the thing that, that, that leads you to the thing. Right, you know that's that's the stuff that we do is the stuff that we do that um, that causes the thing to arise, right? Spontaneously from the universe, you know. Right. It's like you can't, you you know. It's like you're not making your brain think. Your brain's gonna think anyway. Creativity will emerge by itself because that's what creativity does. Your job is not to be creative. Your job is to do the things that. Um, that set the conditions, that put the conditions in place for creativity to arise.
0: Right. And this, you know, this relates in interesting ways to um, some of the work that we're doing as we're starting to prepare um, for our fall learning community where we're going right. to teach together. Right. Right. So last week we had this conversation about what we wanted the conditions to look like when we're introducing students to new material. And one of the things that we came up with was this, this sort of structure of engage with material disengage with it re-engage with it and that disengagement i think is sort of the heart of contemplative practice it
1: is it is
0: right like it's the opportunity to say i'm gonna engage like i'm in the world now i'm gonna stop i'm gonna be (laughs) and then i'm gonna go back right um and i think that like it's just like what happens during that disengaged time is what we lose sight of when we're so tapped into the cult of productivity. Right. Yeah.
1: Yeah. And, and that's why I, I mean, I've talked to my students, you know, they say, oh, he, he just keeps telling us to do this stuff that is just impossible for me to do. It's like he... he it's like he wants me to sleep for like at least six and a half or seven hours a night. I can't do that. I'm a student. I need to write this and I was like, oh, <laughs> go to bed, you know, uh, go, go get some sleep. I mean and, and that's part of that doing the things that that we do that increase the, you know yeah. the odds that set the conditions in place for, for creativity to emerge spontaneously. And right. um, take some time off, take some study breaks, go for a walk, drink a lot of water you know, um, get a good night's sleep. It's like people don't give their own brains enough credit. You know, it will do the work if you let it, but you keep getting in its way. And
0: right, the
1: universe well, takes care of a lot of this stuff for you if you give it the opportunity to do so.
0: Right. But of course, like, yeah, so that sounds so easy. Just give it the opportunity. <laughs> and so all you have to do is just figure out what you need.
1: Yeah yeah and and how do we uh articulate I can think of maybe four I'm, I'm I'm rounding up to four you know times in my life when I've ever like clearly articulated what I need you know it's like with all the things that I really do feel like I need why is it so hard for me to actually come out and say it you know? well and so, it's like, I mean, there's, there's so many parts to this. If yeah. only we had a nonviolent communication specialist on this podcast who could speak to this. That would be yeah, awesome. Yeah, well, we don't have a
0: specialist, <laughs> do we? We have we have a novice who is starting uh, to get uh, ironically dangerous with her knowledge of nonviolent communication. Yeah, a, a
1: dedicated practitioner uh, who uh, knows more than me about it.
0: Yeah. You know. Well, so, you know, the more I learn... The more I realize, it's it's a lot like meditation for me. It is the simplest thing and it is the hardest thing. Right. At the same time. Right. So, you know, a lot of the principles of nonviolent communication starts with observation, moves into feelings. From there you articulate needs and then from there you make a request, right? So that the idea is that you're going to observe the conditions that you're in or that you're experiencing you're going to understand and articulate the feelings that are moving through you you're going to associate those feelings with an unmet need or maybe a met need right because some feelings right. are positive
1: right right Yeah. Of course.
0: um and then you're going to make a request and that process like i'm finishing reading uh Say what you mean, which I've been reading. I've probably mentioned that I've been reading this on the podcast for like two months now. It has been two um, months. <laughs> but I was fine in the observation stage. Like, okay, yeah, observe what's happening. Cool, cool, cool. But once I get into um, articulate my needs um, and then make a request based upon those, mm. whoa, whoa, whoa. It's hard. It's yeah. super hard.
1: What do you think? Uh, I, I I sort of want to take each one of those apart a little bit, you know, just because I mean, when you said the first one, observe, I was like, whoa, 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 what? Do you- <laughs> <laughs> right? <laughs> Therein lies the. It's like I, I found. Well, there's your problem, right? Uh, you, the problem is your very first step here. Observe. I think you're judging observe me what's here. going on, right? Uh, <laughs> Uh, no, no, I, no. I am speaking for the listener. <laughs> I think, you know, it's like I have my own observation practice. I have this cushion right here that I've been sitting on for 20 years, you know. Um, but, I mean, the word observe, you know, what right. is that, you know, for, for someone who's interested in, in thinking about this? What what does observe mean in this context?
2: Well,
0: and, and I think understanding observation within a framework of, like, nonviolent communication um, or even – within the framework of contemplative practice, um, observing, it is a tricky thing. And I think a lot of us think that we probably are pretty observant people. Um, you know, people look at someone like Sherlock Holmes and are like, Oh, he's so observant. Yeah. But the Sherlock Holmes observant isn't necessarily the kind of observant we want to be. Um, So one of the things uh, that um, in the book that I'm reading uh, that um, Orin J. Sofer mentions is that um, when you're observing, you want to make sure that you're observing based on facts. And basically, for something to be observable, um, the f- the movie version would show the same thing. Right. Right. right? And so observing has to be sort of, Looking at the data, the raw data, and uh, especially if it's communicating with someone in particular, the person you're talking to would have to observe the same thing. Mm -hmm. Um, And we don't, right? Like, so obviously, like, you and I can both have a be in the same moment together and we may observe different things. Yeah, right. Right. Um, So part of it is starting with, like, Trying to get back to the raw data as as um, as honestly as we can, and avoiding slipping into evaluation mm. judgment, right? And this is so tricky because, like, you look at something like um, Bloom's taxonomy, right. like which right. how we teach people to to learn, and. Like the holy grail is evaluation. Like if yeah. you can judge something, then you're smart. So we skip it and we t- weave stories about what everything means instead of just, well, what actually happened. Right. Yeah. So that's the observation stage. And so, what
1: does that look like? I mean, so if if somebody is is thinking about this, what what what's being observed?
0: What's being observed is well, what did the person actually say? Hmm. Right? Um, so it's, you know, like, I might have a conversation with someone and I'm trying to think of an example that's yeah, not right. like us, right? <laughs> right, right. Um,
1: well, it's me or Eric, so, right. Yeah,
0: right? Like, <laughs> I'm throwing one of you under the bus. Yeah. So, um. Well, like, here's, Here's an easy example from yesterday, right, right? right? So yesterday I was researching a thing and I decided that I really wanted to go to a salt cave, right?
2: Right, right.
0: And so I messaged Paul and I'm like, hey, you want to go to a salt cave with me? And what did you say? No, I'm good. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Have a good, have
1: a good time though. Yeah, it's, <laughs> it sounds cool. Yeah.
0: yeah, so um, so the observation here is I... Uh, made a request and you declined. And that's all that happened. Yeah, right. Right? I asked a question, you answered a question. Yeah. Right? But I think every time somebody makes like asks a question, um we are not really good at hearing no, right? Mm-hmm. Like mm-hmm. and I think we and you and I have talked about this a lot. We get really bad at we're not bad at we're saying no is scary.
1: Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. And that's not just you. I mean, that's out there. I mean, that's a universal. Yeah.
0: Yeah. That's yeah. a
1: universal truth. So, I ask, think.
0: so asking for what you want is scary and saying what you want is scary. Yeah. And so we have to try to figure out how to navigate through that. Um. So like with, with this one example, right? Like, so, I could tell the narrative of, well, I asked Paul if he wanted to do something with me. And he said, no, because he doesn't like me. Yeah. He doesn't want to spend time with me. Right, right. And and I could run from there. Um, Or I could say, well, shoot, I want to go to the salt cave and I don't want to go alone. Paul doesn't want to go. I wonder what my friend Mike's doing.
1: Yeah, see what he's up to.
0: (laughs) Right? Um. And so then I can say, okay, well, what is my need? My need is to go do a new thing, and um, I want companionship for the new thing. Mm. That's the need. So I take care of that need, and then I realize, hmm, there's another need. I'd still like to do a thing with Paul. Hey, Paul, is there something else you'd like to do since you don't (laughs) want to sit in a salt (laughs) cave with me? Yes. Cool. Awesome. Right? But... I think the human tendency is to like get all caught up in, well, I asked a question. So, um, I get to write the narrative about what the no means.
1: Yeah. Right. There's a whole Shakespearean play in this, you know, yeah. <laughs> that's the, yeah, there's a whole, you know, there's a four act play that, that goes on with, with everyone, many people. I should actually speak for myself, for me, for many, many folks, you know, this, this, Judgment comes in, explanation is like spin. It's like all this, you know, the brain will, it's like, you see, I told you your brain could be creative. You know, I told mm-hmm. you it could. You just, <laughs> you just have to cultivate the conditions and it will it won't sort of go on its own to, to all kinds of stuff that it wants to do. And, um, you know, that's the, you know, the, there's other level of investigation that can be done on the, on the, on the tail end of that. Is that real? Is that true? Is that really, you know? Um, and those rarely bear that sort of scrutiny that that one brings to it, but it's it's hard to get there too. I mean, because mm-hmm. I mean, judgment mm-hmm. wants to swoop in, it's always looking for a, a crack in the armor. It's always looking for a, you know, a little chink in the in the in the armor somewhere that it can get a hand in, or a sword in, or an arrow in, or a. Listen to you know,
0: how violent all of those. things Yeah, I are. know because
1: that's. I mean, it's, it feels it feels violent though. Yeah, I mean, which is why the book. And the the technique is referred to as nonviolent right. you know, communication. It does. Uh, I like the observation part of it. So really, is like what what was act- what actually happened here? Yeah, it's it's almost forensic. Mm-hmm. It's almost forensic.
0: Right, and I've known that I have this this problem with like spinning my own narrative. Like, yeah, my brain is very creative, yeah. um, because I have good friends who will say to me, like, I'll say, well, this person's. Doesn't want to do this because blah, blah, blah. And then uh, one of my dear loved ones will say, well, did they say that? And I'll say, no. Why would I need their point of view? Yeah. Well, I'm spinning it myself.
1: Be Very inconvenient to get their opinion. Yeah. Never um, let facts get in the way of a good story, right? Who was right, that? Mark, right, Mark Twain? Right. Was, that Mark was that Mark Twain?
0: Yeah. Okay. But it turns out it's a lot easier. Um, well, I don't know if easier, uh, but it's. It's very revealing if um, we start with observation and we come to situations with curiosity hmm. um, instead of judgment. Right. right. It's super hard, though.
1: It is super hard. Well, it's 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 not something that we're accustomed to doing, and it's more 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 so. I, I think we're not accustomed to doing it because it's not something that um, many have ever been taught. Mm-hmm. It's. You know, it's it's not something that's in in a curriculum that I was a part of during right. my formative or unformative, informative or uninformative years. I don't know how that works that that verbiage. Um, but I mean, it was not something that I. I mean, I I was forty eight when I found out about it. Mm-hmm. Forty eight, you know, a fat lot of good it could have done me earlier in my life too. I got to be honest and. Um, you know, there was a thread going around in an alumni Facebook group that I'm in for my high school, which I, I, I joined begrudgingly because I had tons of not positive experiences when I was in high school.
0: You have a lot of judgment towards those I have a experience. lot of,
1: I have a lot of validated and confirmed judgment towards those days. <laughs> <laughs> I judged them because they sucked. Um, <laughs> and Um And it's like, boy, you know, here I am sitting in a, you know, meditation retreat in Massachusetts and 48 years old and I'm hearing about this now. It's like I was almost pissed. You know, uh-huh. I was like, this would have been great when I was 10. This would yeah. have been fantastic when I was eight. Why didn't Why didn't somebody tell me about it then? Because it really been re- really helpful. But then it's like, under what circumstances would I have been exposed to this? I mean, that's not what happens in fourth grade. That's not what happens in elementary school. That's not what happens in high school. They're teaching us other intellectual stuff that's going to make the world a better place. Not this. Not this mm-hmm. other stuff. I mean, you can't. It's, it's like he can test on it, right? Right. What are you gonna do? Multiple choice test on nonviolent communication. I mean, there's not a there's not a standardized test that covers it, so it doesn't get it doesn't get addressed. And for all the good it, which is enormous, that it could have done at a younger age, it it was not available, and so.
0: Well, you know, part of it and I don't want to get too far into like well the problem with our school system yeah because uh, that's or a the problem with our country
1: that's a slippery slope that you and I f- slide down often Does right I- <laughs> it's
0: our favorite slide in fact it's like it's like we're at a water park. it's like the slip um, and
1: slide right that ends in a you know
0: yeah um but so much of how society is structured um is about competition and is about yeah, hierarchy right. and nonviolent communication isn't.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: And I think that that's the real thing that has really um, kind of been a reckoning for me that I'm still working on how I'm going to negotiate is, you know, I'm part of a field writing studies, rhetoric and composition, whichever one you want to call it. Right. Um, rhetoric is the art of persuasion. And at its heart, Rhetoric is a manipulative practice.
2: Hmm. It's
0: how to get other people to do what you want. Right. Nonviolent communication is about how to connect with other people so that the needs of the community are met. Right. That's not what our culture rewards.
1: It's not. And, you know, for some reason, I keep. You know, sort of thinking of the stereotypical um, used car salesman. No disrespect to used car salesmen out there. You know, the stereotypical ones, like this is why you should buy this car. This is all the million reasons why you should do it. Don't think about it. What do you th- What do you say? You know, uh-huh. buy it, buy it or not. And you know, there's there's rarely, if ever, a, an effective salesperson out there that says, you know what, you know, this is what we got. Um, there's some good with it. This is how much it costs. Go home. Don't decide anything today. Go home. Think about it. Let me know if you have any questions. And <laughs> if it's
2: yes <laughs> it's like, today, that's it'll not, be yes tomorrow. Yeah, yeah.
1: It's like that's not how that's not how this hustle works. Right? right. This is not how this hustle works. Um I mean, it's you know, get 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 someone to to agree and sign the bottom line right now. You know because if they yeah. go home and, and think about it they might see that the emperor has no clothes or that there's actually nobody behind the curtain pulling these levers and so you gotta you gotta rope them in and, and, and get them now and nonviolent communication really is the let's take time and investigate and think about it and um, I don't you know notice nothing right now go home think about it sleep on it let me know <laughs> let me know mm-hmm. what, what what what's going on right let me know right. what you think and th- things can't be sold that way.
2: Right. You know, at right. least
1: thing, things that are things that are not worth it can't be sold that way.
0: Yeah, exactly. The whatever you're selling has to actually um have value and meet needs. Right. Right. And not well, just That yours.
1: is an unmet non-met need. Yes. You know, so it would be awesome if there was like some framework that we could engage in where we get to, like where where it actually invites us to like express our needs. But we're in the middle of talking about that right now. So you said the first step was observation?
0: Observation. And the next yep. one was? Feelings.
1: Feelings.
0: Whoa, whoa, whoa. Feelings.
1: Feelings.
0: Yeah. Um, yeah, so you, and, you know, one of the things about this is it's, it's kind of a slow process if you're not practiced with it, I think. But, yeah, so um, the essential grammar, you know, one starts with observation and then, um knowing what the conditions of the situation are, um, you try to articulate what you're feeling and what others in the situation are feeling. Um, and you know, there's this dynamic of, I feel blank. I need, or because, you know, this need of mine is being met. Do you feel this, um, is, are your needs being met? Do you have a need? Um, because feelings and needs, I think, um, I'm learning are really connected to one another. So feelings signal needs.
1: Right. Right. Um, or, yeah. Right. And, or met, met or not. Right. Right?
0: Yeah, exactly. Um, but I think one of the things that I've been in the habit of doing is um, connecting my feelings with a preferred strategy to meet a need.
2: Mm.
0: So... um, you know i feel i feel hungry therefore i need cake <laughs> that's a strategy to meet a need <laughs> that is not the need <laughs>
1: it's not the need no it's not the need
0: it's not the need um so and one of the things that i'm i'm really trying to work on is naming uh the feelings that i have because i think i've pushed down like i'm a I'm a fundamentally rational being. I don't have time for feelings. Um, so yeah, I just right. have tried to ignore my feelings, which means I'm not very skilled, um, or I don't want to say it that way. I'm working on developing a more complex skill set for naming the feelings I have.
1: Yeah. Um, I was just thinking about this today a little bit. I went down my own little uh, research based rabbit hole. Uh, Earlier, earlier today, um, because there was some Facebook thing that was going around. Actually, I've taken notes. Um, There was actually this Facebook. I know. It's like wow. Um, There's this thing going around on on Facebook. You know, in about the at the end of the year, you know, teachers face this collective resentment towards Charlotte Danielson. I'm like, who's Charlotte Danielson? I have no idea who this person is. And you know, so a little couple clicks of buttons, gonna you know, hello internet. You know, let's start yeah. with Google because what we do. And um, Charlotte Danielson, you know, who who runs this organization or founded this organization, um, has those four do, wrote that book, the four domains of teaching in the oh. in the mid nineties, that almost all assessment in the United States and it's like how to be a good teacher and how to assess teaching, you know, that's tied to funding and all this kind of stuff. You know, oh. is it's like, wow, I went down this whole, you know, and and so it's like there's this whole fancy website and, you know, there's these articles. It's like, who's Charlotte Donaldson and why does she get to tell us, you know, who what good teaching is and all of that, because it, it's hard to actually get background information on her. Right. But if but I mean so much not going down the slippery slope, so much right of what is happening in a lot of the schools are based on the, the outcome measurements that that were, were brought up in the mid mid 90s because of this. And if you go to this website, I mean what it, what it says, which is one of the core values of good teaching and good scholarship and good, Um, educational practice and the basis of which we should evaluate is that um, learning is done by the learner through an active intellectual process
0: Hmm. Intellectual
1: Intellectual, yeah, it's like I agree with everything in that sentence except for that one word, you know and that is the Achilles heel of where we are where we are, you know
0: well, and I mean, this is this
1: learning is can I, only be learning can only be an intellectual process,
0: and and not just learning though. So, like, yes, learning, but also business, right, and yeah, everything right, else, like, right. right. For Christ's sake, there's no crying in baseball, yeah, right. Right? right? Like, feelings don't belong in yeah. so many things. Like, so we play this dance where we deny that we are fully human. And we pretend that we are machines capable only of intellectual things. And, you know, the other day I posted this blog and one of the things I commented on was um, the the idea of something being touchy feely.
1: Yeah. Right. Right.
0: Like so that we know that like intellectual is good and touchy feely is bad.
1: Half of that is true.
0: Well, and I don't know, there are some people that even villainize intellectual, don't well, they? Well, that's true. And so yeah. if you take away intellectual and you're also opposed to touchy-feely, like, what, what are you left with?
1: What are we with? left with? Yeah, what's, what's what remains here? Yeah. What remains here? Um, but, I mean, the sci-fi folks get on this, you know, all the time. And um, you would you would know how to respond to this better than than most people that I know, being a sci-fi aficionado that you are. The good sci-fi, too. Um it's you know one day one day you know we will be able to upload our brains to the to the to the cloud you know and gain immortality that way you know and then part of, and when when they say our brains they're talking about something right some set of neural patterns some data some tendencies of network interconnectivity or something it's like something is going to be uploaded and my i will be able to communicate from beyond the grave using the miracle of modern technology and i'm just sort of left thinking well what about the rest of me because i feel stuff too you know um the my body does indeed keep the score uh is is so is is it just my analytical self that gets uploaded here or are there other parts of me that get up there as well because i've had some stupid ass ideas that i thought were brilliant at the time and i don't necessarily want those to get uploaded into the the cloud because they don't always serve me and thank god i've had feelings that swoop in and say whoa 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 slow down here text this is you're gonna get yourself or somebody else killed right you know yeah um The pain
0: and the the feelings that we experience are instructive.
1: Very instructive. Yeah. If we are able to observe them and attend to them and not spend uh, (laughs) our lives trying to avoid them. Right. um, Or make them go away, you know, to, I mean, and this gets back to what our, what what our needs are and why are we so, why is it so hard to talk about them? And I made the statement about most people when they're on a vacay. I think spend a lot of their time trying to make the vacay look like what they thought it would. And it's like, how do I go through this situation? Avoiding things that don't feel good and mm-hmm. chasing after things that, things that do right. feel good. Right. And and it's like, if that's your, if that's your approach, you know, is to avoid things that don't feel great and to only, only engage in things that do feel good. it's like, there just got to be quite a run.
0: But, I also think that that's the narrative that we have about a vacay, but how often do people actually make choices that are not actually in their best interest in terms of what will actually make them feel great? Because like, think about it. Oh, we're on vacation. So that means we can eat whatever we want. Oh, we're on vacation. So we're going to stay out in the sun longer than we normally do without sunblock. Right. Oh, you know, we're, I don't know. I just think of when I was a kid, the number of times that I went on um, like a vacation day or, you know, for ginger spice here uh, right. to the beach right. um, and came back absolutely miserable um, because I did not attend to my actual human needs there was just this needs theater like, Oh, I need a right. great day at the beach.
2: Yeah.
1: yeah.
0: Yeah. A great day at the beach requires sunblock, hydration, adequate food. Yeah.
1: Adequate food. Um, yeah. and for me, I've realized that most great days at the beach have been like a great hour or two at the beach. It's all yeah. one really, <laughs> It's like, it was really sort of neat after that. It's like, Oh, I'm getting hungry. Let's go get some tacos, you know, or, <laughs> or something. Um, yeah, So, um, the actual statement of what the need is that, that one has, it doesn't sound like it comes in first in this framework. It's, it's one of the last things. It's like, it's the, the outcome of this is that the need is stated, but it's like, you have to do these other things first. Um, or at least, I don't know if I would say it that way. Um, the, the, the odds of being able to state your need are much, much higher if you attend to these other things first, the observation, the the feelings that have come along with it.
0: Right. Yeah, I mean, when, you know, you're doing some real checking in, and I think part of it is when you move through a practice like this, you're focused at the start in a way that seems so counterintuitive. So it's so selfish at first, right? Yeah, yeah. I'm going to start with my interpretation of what's happening, and then I'm going to move to how do I feel then I'm going to ask myself what needs I have. And then I'm going to make a request. Um, and it's going to be a request and not a demand. Right. Mm. And I think a lot of times when we talk about needs in a very like just loose kind of sense of, you know, I need you to pick up my dry cleaning right. and right. that that's not a need. Right. Um, and it's a demand. Um So at the end, by the time you move through this this structure um, of NVC from observation to feelings to needs um, to a request, by the time you get there, what you're offering is a strategy to meet a need and you're doing so with curiosity and care, understanding that the person you're talking to may not be able to fulfill your request.
1: Right, right, right. They don't necessarily always carry the answers. Right. And strategies and solutions for that anyway.
0: Yeah. And, and the opportunity really is to get so clear about what the need and the feeling is and what the real conditions are that you and the person you're talking to can get creative together hmm. about strategies to meet needs.
1: Yeah. And what one can probably find is that there's multiple ways to for a need to be met. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like the need is not chocolate cake. It might be one way to satisfy that need, but there may be other ways as well uh, that you might have. Right. That don't require <laughs> yeah. you. Go to the store. Get, you know, uh, chocolate well, cake.
0: Yeah, and I think that that's why understanding the feeling and the need is important because, um, I can say I feel hungry, I need cake, or I can say I feel sad, I need cake. Hmm. The real situation, what we're really trying to work through here, is very different in those yeah. two
1: scenarios. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Um, you were talking earlier about one of the one of the things that I found to be super helpful when when poking around it nonviolent communication and in um like the, the meditation, meditative mindfulness rain practice mm-hmm. that uh, Tara Brock and others talk about the recognize, allow, investigate and and nurture or non or non-identifying um, framework for how to process difficult stuff. Um and that it's like a lot of times these practices do you a solid favor because they realize that these were not addressed. Uh, you know and I'm, I'm feeling a lot of judgment right now i'm f- trying to say it's like when it would have been useful when you were like 10 <laughs> um but it's like they were not addressed as explicitly as they are now right in our mm-hmm. so i you know things are, are are difficult so how do i what do i do about it kind of framework and um so it's like well if it's helpful here's a list of feelings mm-hmm. and it's like even it's like a list it's like yeah, it's a paper list yeah of feelings it's like pick one what are you feeling right now uh it it is comforting it is soothing it's helpful um it assumes nothing it is informative it's like boy this would have been helpful just to know that there was a list of feelings out there for that that can be accessed and referenced if if that would be helpful
2: right i almost um, said if
1: needed you know if that would be helpful
0: it's kind of funny because when I first started doing the nonviolent communication training, like that was one of the first tools that was handed to me. Um, And I think you and I had talked about the feelings list before, but it was really astonishing to me that they also had a needs list. Yeah. Yeah. Um, And it's, it's such a, such an interesting thing, how much I've realized um, I really do benefit from having support in articulating what I'm feeling and I went as far as um, there's an app that I've been using Ooh. related to this. Um, and because I don't know how to use my new phone, I can't look to see. <laughs> oh wait, yes, I can. All right, um, I have the need to learn how to use my new phone. Yeah, right. Um, it's such a good tool, and yet, um, but so there's this app, and it's called um, what is it called? The mood something. Do do do. Let me find it. The mood meter.
2: Oh, okay, okay. Cool.
0: And so it divides uh, feelings into four different quadrants. Um, and then the feelings are kind of booked within it. Um, and so the quadrants are sort of divided up based on how much energy you have. Mm-hmm. So, so mm-hmm. the idea is that you go into the app and you're like, I feel. And then you choose between these four quadrants. So it's either high energy but an unpleasant feeling. High energy but a pleasant feeling, Mm. low energy unpleasant or low energy but pleasant, right? Um, And I like this because it's not based on do I feel good or bad, right? It's what is my energy looking like. Yeah, it's non-judgmental. Yeah, is good, right? Yeah, when you're trying to sleep. Yeah, if you're about to go to sleep, Um, pleasant or unpleasant, and so then you you mark it. and then you're allowed to take little notes on it if you want. Nice. Um, nice. But I've been finding that practicing identifying my feelings um, is oddly instructive.
1: Yeah, but surprising. Sometimes. I,
0: you know, there's just there's so much nuance there, right? Mm. Like, how do you feel right now, Paul?
1: Oh, good lord. Uh... How do I feel right now? Um, just kind of throw it out there.
0: Just throw us, give us a word.
1: I'm um, pretty content. Uh, pretty content. I don't know if this is an emotion. I'm not um, interested. That's more of a mind state. I'm judging already. Um, uh, feeling pretty calm. Pretty okay. pretty level. Um. Un un unrushed, un 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 pressured.
0: So yeah. So um.
1: I'm fe- uh, <laughs> judged. It- I'm feeling judged at how I'm doing. Because <laughs> <laughs> I'm staring at you. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Asking like, this question. Yeah, I'm Feeling judged. I'm feeling self conscious about what I'm coming up with. I'm wondering if it's right. Uh, so I'm feeling all kinds of things. <laughs> yeah. All
0: that judgment. Yeah. Well. Yeah. Well, so one of the things that I think is interesting there is we really can feel a lot of things at the same time,
1: oh, yeah, yeah, for sure,
0: right yeah, for um, sure. but there's probably like one feeling that wants to be most heard, right? yeah, so it's interesting. Would you say that you have higher energy or lower energy? Uh,
1: lower I mean i'm not lower. I'm not bouncing off the walls, you know okay. it's like i'm I'm feeling pretty right. i t- I took a big walk this morning, you know, so it's like I'm feeling pretty. Yeah. So
0: if I look in my app in the low energy pleasant, right? Yeah. I would, I'm, quadrant, yeah. I would
1: certainly say that I'm in there.
0: Right. So some of the things, some of the options that come up pretty easily are at ease, easygoing, content, loving, fulfilled. Right. Um, and so, you know, I can kind of like drag my finger around within this app and say, oh, well, I'm not really feeling at ease. Maybe it's a little. Maybe I'm a little, you know, more. Maybe it's a little more something. And like I can kind of move around until I yeah. see what feels right, satisfied, secure. And it's interesting because yeah. it just helps you feel like what feeling wants to be heard.
1: Yeah, what a validating thing that that somebody actually took the time. Somebody's actually took the time to come up with a list. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, that sort of, that sort of implies that it's okay to feel things, What an you idea. know, and what an idea. And it's like, there's not a wrong thing to feel and a right thing to feel. They just sort of are yeah. what they, what they are. Yeah, exactly. Um, they sort of are, are what they are.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I mean, one of the, now I sound like an advertisement for this app, yeah. but one of the things that's interesting about it is that you can choose to share your feelings check-ins with someone mm. else. Mm um so for a little while um eric and i were moving through pretty stressful periods for both of us um and so we were both using this app and so you know instead of that moment of like you know he walks through the door i'm already at home instead of that like well i'm in a really good mood and i'm high energy let's find out how he is um sometimes that exchange doesn't always go well so If I can look and see, well, in this stressful period, Eric's been having a lot of low low energy time, Mm. uh, but he's feeling pretty pleasant, then that helps me kind of understand where he's going to be coming from when he comes in the door. Yeah. Now, I think in an ideal world, right, one would ask their partner this question. Well,
1: that's hard. Right, but, we've been
0: <laughs> Yeah, but you know, baby steps. We're working towards yeah, it. Listen, right?
1: listen listen to this episode for reasons why that is such a hard thing to do, you know? <laughs> um and you know, I mean that's where we started this. It's like, yeah, that should be easy, but it's not. Yep. But it's exactly not. it's not easy. You know, it's not easy to do that. And it's not easy for all the reasons we've been outlining here. It's like we do a lousy job at cultivating within ourselves and encouraging and practicing and even showing daylight to the first step Mm -hmm. in this observing. I mean, it's like we, we don't, we, we don't even start at the, at the first step, you know? Um, I mean, our first, our first communications with, um, our educational development or just sort of being in this, in this world, you know, in, in our culture that we're in is, see that thing that just happened? What do you think of it? What do you think about it? Mm -hmm. You know, it's like, you're, you're just completely ignoring bypassing.
2: Yeah,
1: the whole observation of what what it was. I mean, so how would how would that be different? I always think, well, there was a different way to do it that was a little more onto this, what would it be? Um, Instead of, you see that thing that has happened? Or you read that you read that thing? What'd you think about it? You know, if the question was, hey, you read that thing that they're talking about, you, you watch that TV show, you, you, you experienced this thing, what'd you see?
2: Mm-hmm. What what mm-hmm. in there
1: did you read? What in there did you, what in there did you notice? You know, right. What actually, starting happened with there? the observation, what actually happened there, you know? Um, And it's, it's, it's interesting. It's interesting. It's like, we've been trained to not, it's not that we've been trained, haven't been trained to do it. We've been trained to not do it. You know, it's Mm -hmm. like, eh, we all just saw the same thing. Wink, wink, nod, nod. Um, We all have a perfect memory. We all have a perfect recollection of events. We all saw things identically as everyone else did. None of that is true. You know, scientifically (laughs) (laughs) disproven. Yes. Scientifically disproven, you know, uh, more times than you could count. And, um, so, uh, we're not going to spend any time on observations. Don't bother feeling all that stuff because it gets in the way of, of 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 thinking about about good stuff. You yeah. know, if you don't what you're, if you don't have, if you're not getting what you need, just say them louder. Uh, and uh, presto, you're miserable.
2: Yeah.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Guaranteed path to misery.
1: Yeah, so that's an easy one to, to lay out. You know, it's not that it's like, okay, and this is a magic wand that's going to solve all your problems. It's not necessarily that. Um, But not doing things is a magic wand to be miserable, I think.
0: Right. Well, and I'm not convinced that, I mean.
1: Don't baseline your observation. Don't, you know, bypass, just bypass your feelings completely. You know, just react in a screaming voice with whoever's around.
0: Right. Yeah, the goal is not to scream the loudest uh, or the most relentlessly. Like it's this: um, how much of our society is built around the squeaky wheel mentality? Oh,
1: all of it, all of it, all of it. You
0: know, instead of like, well, what if we ask those those other three wheels? Hey, what's going
1: on in you? What's going on? Yeah, yeah. yeah. What's making it? What's what's making it so squeaky anyway? Right. What are, what are you feeling that makes it so squeaky? Let's talk about why you're squeaky. Mm -hmm. What do you see going on? What do you you see here? What do you observe? Interesting stuff. Oh, so how do we do it then? I mean, you kind of have to slow down. Yeah. You kind of have to slow down. I mean, nothing's going to happen. Well, I don't know. I I don't know. I almost said nothing's going to happen too quickly. If one does that, I don't know if that's true. I mean, it's just like learning any other skill, right? Because ultimately it's a, it it can be sort of thought of as a skill set. Yeah. A set of tools that you can use. You Absolutely. know, to
0: Yeah. I mean, and so it's like, you know, it's just like learning any other skill set, I would say. Like you start to practice it. Sometimes you're gonna discover that there are parts of it that you do badly. Yeah. Right. Um, you know, and um and it's, I I don't think it's something that you learn once and then you're automatically perfect at, you know, even like, you know, we say that things are like, oh, it's easy. It's like riding a bike. Like once you learn how to do it, you always know how to do it. And it's like, if you think of that analogy of like riding a bike, it doesn't mean that riding a bike isn't sometimes challenging, right? Like going up a hill, like sometimes you flip over your handlebars, right? Like like just because it's easy doesn't mean it's not going to hurt. <laughs> yeah, right.
1: Yeah, for sure. Um, and so, I mean, with each one of these things, I can sort of prescribe uh, what it, that looks like to me. Mm-hmm. You know, um, observe. I don't know. I mean, that like, like I said this before. That seems more forensic. You know, um, is that it? It it kind of comes with this this knowing that observations that you try to trying to recall what an observation is might not be the way that it 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 really went and so it's like ex- accept the fact that observation is imperfect right and give yourself the right to go back and verify that you don't have to tell anybody it's cool you know you can keep it <laughs> it's like nobody's ju- well i i would say that nobody's judging you for that i don't i don't know if that's true right but it's like it's eh, no,
2: good you go don't check have every to once judge in a while yeah you don't
1: it. have to judge yourself for it yeah feelings um that's what i do on the cushion more than anything else i, th- I mean that's where it's time to when it's like i i don't uh, obs- i i mean i do some observation about what's going on you know when i'm on the cushion a lot of what that observation is it's like what do i feel about that how am i feeling Mm-hmm. Am, am i it, you know f- for me the the meditation process feels more like uh really connecting to the felt sense of what what's moving through me right as, as stuff sort of arises and, yeah. and passes away and um my needs i don't know sometimes that is sort of after the after the sit you know mm-hmm. ah, that, that that almost feels like the thing that happens in the shower or on the walk or in the Looking out the window, it's like, ah, that, I mean, that's what's really going on. Yeah, that's what I really need. But I think some needs have come to me on the cushion as well. You know, some right. inside has. Not because I've sat there and I've thought about it. It's, it's it's not because I directed my mind in that direction. It's like I, I gave myself open. Uh, I gave myself to the spaciousness of wh- in which that could arise clearly. Sort of once you kind of f- blow the clouds out of the way, the sun can sort of shine on, on what's real and what's true a little bit better, I think.
0: Right. Yeah, for me, I think the needs part is in many ways um, challenging. I think I am skilled at recognizing need in other people.
2: Hmm. Mm-hmm.
0: Um, so I have put a lot of pressure on myself to recognize and anticipate the needs of everyone else. Yeah. And then I... I forget my own needs. Um, You know, like, I'm a person who forgets to eat and drink. Right. Right. But I am also a person who will nag the people I love most about hydrating. Yeah. If I've asked you if you've had any water today, I probably love you.
1: Yeah, right. Right. Right, 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 right. Um,
0: But I don't ask myself.
1: (laughs) Yeah. Well, the doctor never gets sick. The lawyer never gets sued. Right. The economist never goes broke. Right. Uh, The teacher knows everything. Right. Um,
0: Yeah. Yeah. So, but I do think it, you know, it's a practice. And, and, uh, you know, I think certain people are particularly have uh, accepted social roles for various reasons, many of them gendered. Um, that reward putting the needs of others in front of them. Oh, yeah.
1: Own. Oh, yeah, for sure.
0: You know, so yeah, for sure. Um, but one thing that I do fundamentally believe is that if I start with meeting my own needs. I'm far more equipped uh, to be present with the people in my life.
1: Right. This is the oxygen mask. Yep. You know, putting putting one's own oxygen mask on first. And it does come across as selfish. And, you know, I agree with you 100%, right? Most of those notions about who who those individuals are in our society and our culture, um, whose responsibility is to satisfy those needs are absolutely gendered. Um, uh, absolutely they are. And, um, but I, I think many People, myself included, have um, at one time or another found themselves recognizing that they are expected to satisfy a need in someone else, and and reacting to what that need is. Um, and that can be a reaction. It's like, ah, oh, it's I'm happy to, you know, be part of the need based solution for this person. To it's like I'm really resentful that you know <laughs> I'm part of I, I'm expected to you know do all of this to satisfy this person's needs, whatever they might be. Who is this person anyway? Right. And and that's a whole other investigation right. to, to take on. It's like just because, you know, and, and it's like the, the verbiage on this is not quite as nuanced enough to really capture the, the true spirit of it. It's like, do you put yourself first or do you put yourself last? Do you put yourself in the middle? And it's like, I don't know if that's the framework that is the most helpful. You know, I would say don't put yourself last. Right. Even doing that, though, is very countercultural, you know, because it's like we were all to, it's like, oh, you know, make sure that other people's whatever. And
0: I think at this point, I'm at this place where um, I I don't know where we put ourselves, because I would say that it doesn't have to be fixed. Right. Right. But right. I think it is important. To understand and meet your own needs.
1: Yeah, this is. It, it feels like there's room for an and in here. You know, yeah. you can be a part of the other the, the solution for other people's needs as they navigate this life, and you can be a part of your own solution right. for your own needs. <laughs> do both, you know. Do you know, or, or don't do both? Uh, see, see what arises and respond. Mm-hmm. You know, with your full expression of your human form, Um, mind, body, spirit, heart, all, all of it, you know, Um, you're a person too. remember that. And that what you see in others, you may see in yourself as well. And the process that works with others might work in us individually as well from a self-directed framework, you know? So it's like this, you know, Put yourself first doesn't really always sound any more informative or interesting or, or helpful to me than don't put yourself last, does, you know? I mean, put myself first seems selfish. Put yourself last feels, uh, exploited.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: You know, it's like sort of put myself in the middle. It's like I don't think that's the axis. You know, no, that we that we put ourselves on. I think that's a that's a, a verbiage in a framework best left avoided maybe
0: yeah what if we just put human needs at the forefront
1: and you're a human too i like the i like the caveat like an asterisk next to it right you know with like and you're a human too like you too you know right you as sharon salzberg say everybody everybody gets to play you know everybody gets to play
0: yeah well in, in so many situations it's like if we all just paused and said like what is the need that is most um, driving your actions right now? And then once we have all the needs on the table, can we find the idea for what we need to do next? Yeah. Right? Like, everyone gets a vote on what their needs are. Yeah. Um, But... um you know, prescribing one strategy is, I think, the real danger, right?
1: I think there is as well. Yeah, I think so, too. Yeah, yeah. I think so, So,
0: Um, But, you know, for me, one of the things that I think is such a hard balance is, like, I think sometimes I struggle with the fact that I both... I am trapped in a paradox where I both... Forget that I am human and think that I am the only human. Yeah. At the same time, right? right, right? right. Like, So it's so easy, I think, to feel one's own feelings and needs swelling up loudly, even if you're trying to ignore them. And they're so hard to deny. But then we, I think, can sometimes navigate space as though we think we're the only human, like everyone else is a supporting character in the film yeah. of our life.
1: Right. 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 Yeah, um, for sure.
0: So, yeah, it's just, what if we just remembered that we're all human?
1: Yeah, we never see ourselves outside of our own bodies, though. I mean, we never get to see ourselves like other people see us. <sighs> you know? know? That's, that's uh, it sounds, well, oh, that's a blessing or a curse. A little above, you know? Um you know we never get but we don't i mean we never get to see ourselves as a as a whole person yeah as others see us you know we i i've never seen the bottom of my own chin uh without the assistance and aid of a reflective or camera device you know and it's like it sounds stupid but it's like you've never seen yourself as a as a as a person you've never seen yourself out in the world you've never seen your i mean I, I, I mean, in interacting in a real time way with, with thing, I mean, yeah, sure. You know, take a video of yourself, whatever, you know, but it's like, it's, it's, it's so rarely done. It's so rarely right. done. And you know, the, the thing is, you know, record yourself giving a speech or giving a presentation and go back and watch it. It's like under no circumstances will I ever do that. And so it, it's not like, um, you never get to do it. It's like on the opportunities when you can do it, it's like, No. Right. I'm never going to. Do, <laughs> I will never bear witness to my own imperfections to the extent where I would. Or you know, your
0: own perfections, right? Like, yeah,
1: yeah. We're just going to avoid all of it, and it's like, yeah. Why is it so hard? I mean, th- this question, you know, like observation, feelings, you know, what is the need, and and you know, what is the request being made? I mean, you could. You know, record, get a recording of yourself give, doing a presentation and go through that process after after watching yourself, you know. How do you non communicate with yourself?
0: Well, I think that that's... Uh, uh, that's this might be a different podcast. A whole <laughs> other called this, is a different, this
1: is a different podcast. Yeah.
0: yeah, it's, I mean, I think it's, it, it is definitely one that's worth... uh breaking down because like yeah we can start with the idea of like well first just observe what's going on and then there's a little asterisk that's like except you can never authentically observe yourself good luck
1: good luck yeah
0: and it's a real thing um there's this web comic that's been going around where it's like these two little stick figures and i don't remember the name of the artist i should really find that out um but one little stick figure is looking at their phone um, probably some picture of themselves, and they're like, yeah. I'm so ugly, yeah. right? And then the other little stick figure laying in their bed is like, you know, you only see, like, these awkward selfies of yourself. You don't see yourself when you see a dog or, like, other these other delightful things that, you know, yeah. one would be delighted to see a person they love experience. Um, and it it is true. Like, we we do not have the opportunity to see ourselves in the moments that the people who love us most see us in
1: what if we did you know what if we did
0: what if we did but how could we
1: how could we yeah how so could we make that yeah, happen yeah how could we yeah um so we're left to do our best you know and in situations like that it's good to have a framework you know, Mm -hmm. in in place to help us along that path. And I think that's what, um, I think that's what NVC is. Yeah. Cool. I think it's
0: definitely something we all need.
1: I think it is too.
0: Yeah, cool. Well... Tune in next week when we figure yeah. out how to better look at yourself. How to
1: better look at you, oh, boy? That's Ugh. a whole. That's a whole separate like podcast, not like episode, but like an entirely different series. Series, yeah. Or um,
0: for that one next week, I'll be unavailable, but Paul will yeah. handle it himself. <laughs>
1: right, <laughs> might do one of those three in the morning live uh, late night call in radio things. I don't know. There we go. Um. So the book, "Say What You Mean," Orange A Sofer. Um. Mm-hmm. You can get that at any. I would recommend a s- local. Locally owned bookstore, bookstore, right? To, to do that, um, we can Google that too. I think he's got a, he's got a website, and there, there's there's mm-hmm. others out there as well. So um, yeah, he's great. He's um, not the only game in town, but he's a big name in town, and he's really good at it. And it's, it's sort of the voice of that that right now, I think. Um,
2: Absolutely. There's
0: yeah.
1: some folks up there. Well, I think what I that. like
0: about him is you know you read through if you are familiar with mindfulness uh, meditation, if you are familiar with uh like the Brahma Viharas, like they show up. He doesn't call them that in the book, but they, they're there. Boy, yeah,
1: they're there. yeah. He's he's uh, has a, a history in Zen, a lot in mm-hmm. Zen Buddhism, mm-hmm. right? He spent a lot of time on a cushion in some, yeah, in some uh, in some Zen centers. Um, and he he uh, he he's a frequent flyer at many vipassana meditation retreats as, as well. You know, so yeah, he's cool. uh, he that's certainly going to make an appearance in the in the work that he does for sure, mm-hmm. and rightly so. Awesome.
0: Awesome. Well, thanks for chatting with me today, Paul.
1: Anytime. Anytime. Uh, let's talk soon.
0: That's not true. Not anytime. Should... <laughs> you get to choose when. What am I needing right what's the feeling? What yeah, am I
1: feeling? Yeah, what am I feeling? <laughs> I'm observing, right? Uh, awesome. Well, cool. Uh we'll we'll talk soon. Thanks, Sherry. Mm-hmm.
2: Yep. Thanks, Paul. See you. Listen. Thanks Bye everybody. You. Bye-bye.
1: This podcast is produced by Sherry Spiegel, Paul Fitzgerald, and This Most Unbelievable Life. For more information, please check us out at www.thismostunbelievablelife.com. Paul and Sherry, have a
0: Paul, podcast. Sherry, podcast, yes.
2: yes.